It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East, our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Providence Journal beat writer, Basketball Times columnist, and author Kevin McNamara. You know, by the end of this weekend, Kevin, we're going to be almost a month into the Big East schedule, so let's kind of take a snapshot of the way things are right at this moment. The number one team in the nation resides in the Big East, and yet it's taken a while for Villanova to reach the number one spot in its own conference. But they are back at the top for now. Question is, though, is can the other contenders make a play for that top spot? You know, John, they seem to be grinding into form exactly when you need to do it. Right, you know, right, right now, it's the heat of the conference play. They, they put a whipping on Georgetown the other night, uh, which was really impressive. They play Connecticut, which is an old-school Big East game, and they come half with, I believe it's five of the next six at home. So they're really set up to have quite a run here and stay at the top of the league. Uh, Wednesday night uh, this week in the uh, previous round of games, they were at Georgetown. They had very little trouble with the Hoyas. In fact, we're up by better than 40 points most of the way before settling in. Uh, Seton Hall also played at Creighton. Battle of a uh, top 25 team against a team that's been in and out of the top 25. I think Creighton may have made a statement to get back into that top 25 with an impressive win at home. And then Xavier took on St. John's on Wednesday. And in that game, Chris Mack became the winningest coach all time at Xavier passing Pete Gillen. So some significant landmarks throughout the course of the week. Certainly hats off to Chris Mack. Just had a great run in Cincinnati. But uh, the, the Seton Hall-Creighton game really caught me by uh, you know, it was really interesting to watch because Seton Hall obviously is a dangerous team. Every night they play, they fell into instant foul trouble. Angel Delgado, how about Mr. Double-Double? Four points and four rebounds. Shocking. And only, really? only played 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, foul trouble does that to you, though, Big right? guys can fall into foul trouble. And uh, obviously, without him, really, really a tough ask at Creighton. And, uh, you know, Creighton at home is really impressive. Marcus Foster and, you know, uh, Harrell off the bench has really become a weapon for the Blue Jays. And then, of course, uh, Xavier getting back on track with a win over St. John's. St. John's played exceedingly well in that game, just couldn't get over the hump at the end. No, uh, uh, Pons, we always know, is, is you know a heavy lifting for any opponent. He had 18, but Justin Simon had 28, which is a really good sign for St. John's. St. John's, you know, 0-7, and they're in most of the games that they play uh, and have lost a couple games in the last minute. Uh, you know, it's probably one of those situations where Chris Mullins team just needs one win and can get going a little how much, bit. How much do they miss Marcus Lovett? Oh, huge, huge. You know, the, the combination of Pons and Lovett would make Pons so much better. Teams are clearly loading up on Pons. Uh, you know, he's a little guy, and he can wear down a little bit. That's why to see Simon come up with, uh, again, 28 points in that game is a good sign for the Red Storm. And the way Villanova handled Georgetown, are we beginning to get an idea now why Georgetown and Patrick Ewing scheduled the way they did? If Villanova shoots 17 threes like they did in that game, well, that's remarkable. They're not going to lose. You're going to beat anybody. They will not lose. Uh, obviously, 17 threes won't happen too many times, but they do have that good of a shooting arsenal when they get hot. Well, the nationally number one Wildcats stand at 5-1 and one in league play at midweek, grabbing the top spot over Creighton after the Blue Jays beat Seton Hall, as we talked about. Xavier is also only a half game back after holding off the Red Storm. Providence holds on to fourth with the Pirates. Marquette Golden Eagles are also in the middle of the hunt, just another half game behind the Friars and the Pirates, with Butler having finished running its scheduling gauntlet. They played four straight top 25 teams with a 3-4 and four mark, one game out of fifth. 
Seven Big East teams rank in the nation's top 39 or 40 in the RPI, with eight teams ranked among the top 70 in overall strength of schedule. And three league teams are still ranked within the two major top 25 national polls. Creighton is poised on the edge for a return. Villanova is at the top for a fifth week. The Wildcats have now been number one for 15 total weeks over the past three seasons. So, Kevin, we're kind of seeing some of the top players on those teams begin to take over in several of those situations. You and I perhaps expected that. Many of the fans probably also expecting that as well. Guys like Marcus Howard, Jalen Brunson, Keelan Martin, Trevon Blewett, Marcus Foster, Angel Delgado. Stop me if you've heard this before. (laughs) But who else have you seen that should be listed along with these guys starting to emerge for their own teams? Well, a real key guy for Providence in their resurgence here has been Alpha Diallo, who was a guest on our show last week. Uh, the sophomore played really well at DePaul in the second half and really well against Butler in the second half. Uh, at some point, he's going to put a whole game together and I think can be one of the better players in the league. And the other real key for Xavier right now, and you know, Xavier also ran into some just really difficult scheduling situations and tests on the road, but uh, uh, Cantor has really stepped up for him. He's now in the starting lineup uh, and is really a, a very talented low-post scorer for the Musketeers. Karim Cantor has the ability to make you look foolish in the post. He's got a great up-and-under move. Uh, I, I'm beginning to wonder if, if players are going to realize the guy's left-handed because he certainly can go to his right a bit, but he is extremely... Extremely strong going with his left hand, and he's got that feathery touch around the rim that you just don't see in too many 6'10 guys. I was just going to say the majority of his points are within five feet. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, in this day and age, you know, with the big guys who can stretch and stretch four and shoot jump shots, he does all his work in the paint and does it really well. Well, we mentioned Marcus Howard, who is just a sophomore at Marquette, but already one of the nation's best shooters. He, he not only exploded for a career in conference high tying 52 points at Providence a couple of weeks ago, but he made 32 of those points in the second half in the overtime in that game. And that's a Big East record for points in a single half. 11 made threes in that game also was a Big East record. Is his green light on all the time? His head coach, Steve Wojciechowski, joins us to answer that question and a few more next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. If you want to make a difference, you need to be the difference. At Marquette University, we don't stop the pursuit of our mission ever. We research, study, test our theories, and practice our faith. We are men and women for and with others. It's excellence in the classroom, in the community, in our fields, and on the court. We do it because we're problem solvers, innovators, and fearless leaders. We do it because it's who we are. Marquette University. Be the difference. Big East Spotlight. Inside to Froelich, back out Howard, off to Hauser. He'll try a three. Booyah! Stolen away by Sam Hauser. Hauser across the stripe, four on three. Marcus Howard, three. Baby. They get three off an inbound by DePaul. One thing Marquette can do is fill it up on the floor. Volume shooters like Marcus Howard, Andrew Rousey, and Sam Hauser don't just shoot a lot. They also make a lot. The Golden Eagles offense has averaged better than 83 points per game this season, and they're fun to watch if... Of course, you aren't pulling for the other team. Head coach Steve Wojciechowski joins us this week in the Big East. Now, Coach, wondering about who has the proverbial green light for you on offense. What have you told your players about the shots that they take and when to take them? Well, I think the one thing that we talk about is we we want the ball to find the best shot on each possession. Um, And so, you know, really, we we have three guys that you mentioned in Andrew, Marcus, and Sam who – are you know 
big scores for us, especially Andrew and Marcus. Uh, but, you know, we talk about the ball finding the best shot. Now, the ball is in Marcus and Andrew's hands a lot. And so, you know, obviously they get more shots. And uh, for, for those three guys, anytime they're open, we expect them to shoot. And because of the their shot-making ability, uh, because of their ability to score in different ways, uh, you know, we want to give them freedom to, you know, follow their instincts and trust their instincts. And, and I think that's been a, a, a good philosophy uh, for, for our team and, and for those three guys in particular. Uh, Coach, I'm going to stay with the offensive uh, conversation here. I look at the the Big East stats through a quarter of the game, six or seven for everybody now. Uh, I believe five teams are averaging 80 or more points a game. Uh, that's that's not the old Big East that everyone remembers, or even when you were playing at Duke, when uh, some of these games would be in the low 60s. Is, is has the game changed, or, or is it just uh, you know in the Big East we have an awful lot of really good offensive players? Well, I think it's a combination. You know, obviously you don't put up that amount of points without really good offensive players and outstanding coaches. And uh, in, in that respect, our league stacks up. Um, with any league in the United States. I also think the game has changed. You know, obviously there's a lot more freedom of movement <laughs> than there used to be. Uh, thank goodness, because I probably couldn't have played in this era with the way I fouled on defense. But, uh, you know, there's there's much more freedom of movement, which which lends itself to offense. And and I think you, th- you see the Big East teams and players, you know, taking advantage of that. I mean, we have some of the best scorers in the United States, I think some of the best uh, coaches and schemes in the United States and the way the game is officiated now as compared to, you know, the quote-unquote old Big East is much different. Coach, now we remember you slapping the floor when you played defense back at Duke. So I know you know one or two things about defending because, well, your team, for the, for instance, just the other night against DePaul, you held them to 18% shooting from the floor in the first half. So they obviously got after it a little bit. Yeah, you know, we're just searching for consistency. And some of that comes with being a young team. I think, you know, in Ken Palm, we're the 317th youngest team in the United States. And we've shown at times some defensive chops. And at other times, we've shown that, uh, you know, we still have a long ways to go on that end. So uh, we're constantly working on it. Uh, we need to continue to get better at it. And that's been a, you know, a big point of emphasis for us. Steve, both John and I had the front row seat for Marcus Howard's 52 against Providence. I would imagine that's the greatest offensive show that you saw as well for a college player. I'm curious, what were your questions and conversation with Marcus right afterwards? Because, you know, it's you would imagine... Someone can't wait to get back on the floor, and I know he had a really good game at Villanova offensively right after that as well. How do you handle someone who just scored 52? Well, Marcus is a really mature kid, and and obviously against Providence, he had a magical night where he was in the proverbial zone. Um, You know, he really put us on his back and carried us to a a really tough road victory against a really well-coached and experienced Providence team. You know, Marcus and I have conversations all the time, and, you know, he's going to have nights where he can go off you know, on the offensive end because of his talents and ability and the freedom that we give him. And then there's going to be other nights where, you know, he's got to make different decisions because of what the defense is trying to do. And I think he's grown up quite a bit uh, in that respect and really is having, you know, for a sophomore, uh, just a phenomenal year. Coach, uh, you know, you uh, clearly had to have at least asked him a little bit about what he ate for pregame meals so he could repeat it at some point in time, right? Well, you know, Marcus is that type of ability, you know, and, and, Again, not that uh, he's going to score 52 every night, but you see it in practice on, on a daily basis. I mean, when he gets in the zone, uh, he can really fill it up. And, uh, 
even when he's not in the zone, he fills it up. So sure. uh, he's uh, he's just a, a special young player. Steve Wojciechowski, head coach at Marquette, joining us here this week in the Big East. You mentioned the youth of this team overall, Coach, and yet you've got a fifth-year guy who kind of steers the ship a little bit can also really score with great range and, and great reliability in Andrew Rousey. What has he meant to being sort of a steadying influence for some of those younger guys on the floor? Well, Andrew is obviously really important to our team. He's our only senior. Um, he's got, you know, by far the most college basketball experience on our roster. And so his his ability to give his teammates confidence, uh, for them to lean on his experiences and to be, uh, you know, a, a consistent threat and leader is very important to the success of our team. Steve, I'm, I'm curious, how difficult is it going to be not only for Marquette but for anybody to get to, say, a 10-8 and eight finish in a league like the Big East? I only ask that because I look at your schedule coming up at Xavier, Villanova at home, Butler at home. There's no easy weeks for, for you guys to go through. No, there's not, and there hasn't been to this point. You know, I mean, I think uh, when you look around our league, it's incredible the uh, the, the quality of teams. Uh, I think everybody's improved. Um, you know, you, night in and night out, it's just an absolute battle. There's not a a, more, a better league in the United States. It's so fun to be a part of, yet it's so difficult to be a part of uh, because of the, the constant challenges that you have uh, as coaches and as players. You know, I, I look at your high scorers in the last several games. Uh, we talked about uh, Howard's 52, Howard 37, Rousey 31, Hauser 30. Uh, <laughs> I mean, can you re- rely on one of those three guys to go off for 30-plus in, in every game? Or maybe that's the balance that you're looking for, that, that those three three guys just kind of sharing that uh, that bullseye? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously those are those three guys are really key for us, and, and you know, they – they are the centerpiece of what we do on offense. And, and, you know, I get teams, you know, at times try to take different guys out of the game, which may open it up for other guys. And I think uh, when that happens, uh, our guys are talented enough to take advantage of it. Obviously, you don't want to rely just on guys getting 30 points in a game to win. Uh, But it's certainly nice to have on your side. Can you speak to some of the younger guys on your team as well? You know, we've obviously only mentioned three, but uh, you've mentioned how young you guys are, and guys like like Kane and Elliot and uh, Harry, you know, Froling are they're really important, you know, as young players, really important players for you. Yeah, and coming into the season, we we you know obviously we believed a lot in the recruiting class, and we felt like the development of our bench was going to be key to to our season because the guys who were coming back, we knew, we kind of thought. We knew what they would give us, and they, they certainly haven't disappointed. But in order to compete in the Big East, you need more than just that. And so the development of a Jamal Kane, Theo John, Greg Elliott, Harry Frawling, uh, Sakar, you know, all of those guys I think have gotten better uh, throughout the season and have helped us win some big games. Steve, you haven't played since the 15th. This is your first and, and one and only real big break within the league schedule. You don't play again until the 24th, but I'm sure you know what you have. I know coaches tend to look at one thing at a time, one game at a time, because you might have agita if you don't. At Xavier, Villanova, Butler, Providence, at Seton Hall. That's your next five. You do get three of those at home, but when you step into the meat of a schedule like that, how do you pace your players? Well, you know, our, our philosophy is just to take care of you know what's in front of us today. And that's that's going to be having a great practice, you know. In the Big East, as you mentioned, when you asked the question, you, you can't get too far ahead of yourself. 
and you can't get stuck in what just happened, whether it was good or bad. You know, you really got to focus on constant improvement, and we're trying to have that growth mindset with our team, especially considering the youth of our roster. And so for us, we need to continue to get better, and there's a lot of areas where we can improve on. And so our our mission today is to, to be a better basketball team at the end of our practice than when we started, and that's the mission that we'll have throughout the rest of the season, and hopefully that proves to be good enough to beat some of these you know outstanding programs and coaches and teams. Marquette head coach Steve Wojciechowski. Who's hot? Well, the coaches may coach, but it's the players making the plays that count. Some of those big ones are coming up next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot this week in the Big East? I'm a college athlete, but you don't know where I was born, if I was raised in the city or suburbs. You don't know the color of my skin, whether I'm big or small, who I love, or if I'm rich, poor, or somewhere in the middle. But the good news is, it doesn't matter. Because as a college athlete, the only thing that does matter is that I have the skill and the drive to succeed in school and sports. Visit ncaa.org slash opportunity to learn more. Who's hot? Martin crossing over, three in the air, buries it! Oh my, Keelan Martin! Butler takes the lead! Here comes the inbounds, and here's Hans. Races the ball to the top of the key, in the middle, stops, pops, and scores! Jamari Pons has 35. St. John's within four, 71 to 67. Brunson gets it to Booth. Booth towards the rim, kicks. Left corner, DiVincenzo nails the three, and he's tied his career high with 25 and a new record for threes made in a game with six and a Cats lead by 11. You gotta love it, Whitey. Cartwright stops, bounce pass up, driving right, score! And for Jackson! And, and one! Holy Holy. How about Jackson just comes in the ball game? Great substitution by Coach Cooley. And Jackson, again, playing with a little swagger in this one, takes it strong to the basket. This is the best game he's had in his career at Providence. Thompson into the lane, jump pass. Martin threes. Man, that was big. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Player of the week this past week is a guy that can fill it up. It seems like we're kind of stuck on that phrase this week, but it's really all about volume shooting. And Keelan Martin of Butler had a career-high 37 points early in the week to lead Butler to a 94-83 to win over the Golden Eagles. Took just 17 shots from the floor, made 12 of them, but it was the most points scored by a Butler player in a single game since 1998. Kevin, you and I both know Keelan Martin can shoot, but he also needs to shoot for his team to have success. Ranks first in the league in scoring at the beginning of the week with almost 25 a game. And I think I really like the way that he's playing off Kamar Baldwin. The combination of the two of them really make the Bulldogs very, very dangerous. But Martin's, uh, you know, he, when he gets in a flow, it's really tough to slow him down. You know, you mentioned Kamar Baldwin as well. And Baldwin actually uh, picked up some of the slack as Martin struggled against Providence earlier this week. But then it was Baldwin who had 25 points. So those two guys, when they're on together, makes Butler a real tough out. You know, we, we've talked about uh, Kamar for two years on the show. Very impressive freshman year. And I think he's taken that next step, John, uh, because he is much more assertive offensively. He's not a pure point guard. He's a scorer. 
uh, and a really valuable one at that. Aren't we seeing, though, a bit of that trend of scoring point guards? I mean, Providence has one in Kyron Cartwright, or at least a guy that Ed Cooley would love to score more, shoot more. We've seen that with Andrew Rousey and Marquette. Uh, Kadeen Carrington is that way at Seton Hall. That does seem to be the trend. Shamari Pons. There's another you know, good maybe, example. Maybe right off the top. Sure. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's funny, probably the best of the lot, you know, nationally is, is Jalen Brunson, who is a pure point guard, but, you know, you don't watch him. He'll go for 25 he and a snap. He can score on you. Yep, that's no exactly question. right. All all right, the Big East freshman of the week, Najee Marshall from Xavier. He averaged 11.5 points, 2.5 rebounds, and a 1-1 one one week for the Musketeers. But Najee Marshall is one of those guys, Kevin, I think that when you discover what he can do, he plays at a better pace and maybe with a little more experience than you would expect, I think, a typical first-year player in this league to play with. You know, this is why Chris Mack has a really good program. That They go to Providence and go to Villanova and, and have two losses where they play pretty well. Uh, certainly at Providence they played pretty well. And Chris says, okay, well, I'm going to change my starting lineup. He comes in with Najee Marshall mm-hmm. uh, and, and Cantor and replaces uh, Gates and Tyreek Jones, who are still valuable uh, role guys. And sure enough, Cantor and Marshall have played really well right away. It just shows uh, the depth that the Musketeers have. Uh, and, and Marshall is going to be a star in this league and was recruited to be that. Uh, everyone knew he was a really valued guy coming out of Washington, D.C. Top-looking uh, freshman, no question about it. On the honor roll this week, Marcus Foster from Creighton, 19.5 points and five assists in a one-on-one week, and then he topped for 25 more in a win over Seton Hall on Wednesday. Sam Hauser of Marquette, who averaged 22 points and seven rebounds and shot 57% from the floor. Alpha Diallo, we spoke to him last week, 16 points, nine rebounds, and a road win at DePaul for the Friars. Angel Delgado had two double-doubles for the Pirates before, you know, reaching foul trouble at Creighton earlier this week. And Dante DiVincenzo, 18 points, 5 rebounds in a 2-0 week. That's a pretty good uh, honor roll, if you will, for the Big East Conference. I'm going to stick with the last guy you mentioned, DiVincenzo. You know, I think when people think about uh, Villanova, they talk about Brunson and and they talk about uh, Bridges and uh, Phil Booth, the veteran. Uh, Spellman gets an awful lot of love as one of the better freshmen in the, in the country. And DiVincenzo, you know, averages, like you said, 18 a game, 18 a game. Uh, last week he had 25 against St. John's, 13 in that uh, easy win against Georgetown. Uh, again, another star on the rise for only a sophomore. You know, some of these big-time performances are coming from guys that are the second, third, fourth, even fifth options on their team. It shows you some of the depth that this league has. And while this league, and we've stressed already this year, this league does have a lot of experience back this year from a year ago and really solid experience, all-American caliber players. But next year, when those guys take off for either the pros somewhere or just graduate one way or the other, the younger guys will be picking up the mantle. They're getting some valuable experience. We're already seeing how talented they are. Well, I, I always say, John, in college basketball, the biggest jump is between freshman and sophomore year. And just look at this week, this week's honor roll. The sophomores who uh, stardom awaits for them, Sam Hauser, Alpha Diallo, DiVincenzo, just to name a few. Uh, there's a lot of really good young players in this league, and uh, you know that bodes well for the future. The 2018 men's Big East men's basketball tournament is only weeks away. And for the 36th consecutive year, Big East men's basketball tournament will be played in New York City March 7th through the 10th at the world's most famous arena, the Mecca of College Basketball, Madison Square Garden. You can be there, too. Don't miss your chance to go. It's easy. Just go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East for tickets and information. Coming up, we have a guy who has chaired the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, chaired the College Football Bowl Championship Series, and not too long ago sat in the big chair as commissioner of the Big East Conference. But what is Mike Trangisi doing today? You'll find out next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. 
Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom, where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves, where passion meets purpose, where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at xavier.edu. Big East Focus. Bridges, Brunson, Spellman, Booth, and Pascal in the game. Blue and Starch on Pascal. That's interesting. Brunson gets some space. Right wing three. Yes, sir. Cats lead 6 nothing early on. Booth leaning in. Can't get the eight-footer to go, but a putback jam by Cosby Roundtree. Wow, that was impressive. John Rook with Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. He graduated from a current Big East program. He went to work inside that very same athletic department, learned quite a bit from former Providence coach, athletic director, and Big East founder Dave Gavitt. And as the Big East quickly grew into a basketball powerhouse, too much growth may have led us to where the league currently sits today. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Former Big East Commissioner Mike Trangizi joins us. Mike, the league is now in its fifth year of its new incarnation. What about this conference do you think that keeps its members as competitive nationally as they've been, especially when this could have all disappeared not too long ago? You know, when, when, the, old, when the old Big East uh, basically fell apart, I think there was a lot of angst and concern. I mean, there wasn't much doubt in my mind that the league would be successful, but I think the the competitiveness and the high level of play has probably surpassed what I thought they would be. We've already won a national championship, obviously in Villanova, and I think we've. I think the Big East this year has a has a number of teams that can play at a very high level once they get to the tournament. Mike, us old timers, we think back to uh, when Patrick and Chris and uh, Pearl Washington and Ed Pickney uh, kind of came on the scene quite early in the dawn of the Big East and, and really put the conference on the map and then the, the national championship that Georgetown won was so important. Do you equate that with what Villanova did a couple of years ago too? Because there were naysayers nationally, although there really probably weren't too many involved in the league. I think so, Kevin. You know, but there are different times back when, when the Big East formed. Patrick, for example, played four years. Um, you know, it's unheard of now. No one plays four years. Uh, virtually no one plays for you, except some of the kids that won the national championship on Villanova. I, I think, I think when Villanova won, it really gave the Big East uh, uh, an incredible uh, uh, shot in the arm in terms of national respect. You don't hear people questioning the validity of teams within the Big East to be able to compete at the national level. So I think. I think in both instances, uh, the same thing's been accomplished. Mike, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, include here that you actually still do keep your hands, you know, within the Big East just a little bit, even though technically, you know, we know you've retired and we hope that you're enjoying the golf weather, although you know, I haven't seen much of it in the Northeast lately. So, you know, there is there That's is that. Sure. Uh, but uh, you spend some time uh, consulting with Providence within the Big East, and uh, we know you also do some consulting work for the SEC. Can you explain a little bit what uh, what your consulting is all about and what your goals might be? Well, I think the SEC was struggling in basketball, and uh, and, and Greg Sankey, who's a commissioner, who's a longtime friend, just asked me to come and look. And, uh, you know, just came and looked and really found a, a wave of negativity. To be perfectly honest, John, I was taken aback by it. And I had people even saying to me, well, the SEC will never win in basketball, which I found to be one of the most ludicrous statements I've ever heard in my life. They've got facilities, they've got passionate fan bases, and they've got money. And uh, I think they, uh, over the last couple of years, even the year before I got there, they made some good coaching hires. And now all of a sudden, I mean, the SEC is pretty good. I don't think they have a great team, 
but I think they have a lot of good teams. I think they're going to get uh, an awful lot of teams in the tournament. And, you know, so we made a lot of changes. We changed what we were doing in officiating. We hired a full-time basketball person. I think we changed the way we were messaging and, and promoting. And I think in a you know pretty short period of time, the the SEC is going from a, a conference that was being dismissed to one that's being taken uh, pretty seriously nationally. My my gig at Providence is really different. It's uh, I'm just another set of eyes and ears for the basketball program, and uh, you know Eddie Eddie Cooley's encouraging me to tell him anything I see or feel, and uh, and that's what we do. I mean Eddie and I are pretty close to begin with, and uh, we talk quite often about things I may see, and he may agree or may not disagree, and those comments could range from what I see on the court to maybe marketing, public relations, scheduling, all those kinds of things. Mike, I, I think the one thing that jumps out at me on the SEC side is and my guess is this is with uh, your prodding a little bit, is the upgrade in their scheduling, non-conference scheduling, has really jumped big time across that league and maybe mirrors a little bit of the Big East. The Big East has to be really aggressive non-conference and has done so and has had great success. Can you just speak to the importance of that non-conference scheduling and maybe flashing back to your time as uh, I know you were the head of the selection committee for, for several years? You know, I was able to, when I went to the SEC, tell them just how important it is to play and was able to speak not, not, not as a past commissioner, but as a chair of the basketball committee, and, and show them how playing these games can only help you. The example I use, if you go out and schedule four pretty good non-conference games and you lose them all, then you're probably not good enough to get the tournament anyway. But you win one of those games, and you hold your head above water in a, in a conference that's viewed as a top-five conference, you're probably going to get in. I mean, that's what Providence has done. I mean, Providence has been able to go and play quality teams and always notch somebody get somebody, which has helped them get into the tournament. And I think right across the board, the SEC has really upgraded its uh, its scheduling and turned out that uh, a number of our teams have gone out and won good games. I mean, you know, you look at a team like LSU who may be on the bubble, well, they got to win over Michigan. You know, when, when push comes to shove, that could be enough to get them in. A team like Alabama, who, who's right there, they beat Rhode Island, who, as we know, is doing very well winning the Atlantic 10. Those are the kind of wins that can get your get your teams uh, over the hump. And I think John Calipari at Kentucky has always played people. And, you know, when I when I was spreading that message, John was, was endorsing it. And Rick Barnes, who had just come to Tennessee, who was a great friend from his days at Providence, has played tough people. And uh, we talked about it, and people bought into it, and I think it's, and I think it's paying off. Former Big East Commissioner Mike Trangese joining us this week in the Big East. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on college basketball? You talked about marketing and promotions. What are your thoughts about this week, college basketball, deciding that we're going to have a definitive start date for next season on uh, November the 6th? Good thing? Bad thing? Does it matter one way or the other? You know, Dave Gavitt always wanted a a start date. Um, He thought that it would uh, help to kick off the season. And I, and I, I, you know, I I read yesterday where the where they're going to start off with the with the tournament Indianapolis. That's all fine and good. But I know Dave's idea was more grandiose than that. The idea was to have everybody start on the same date and get out there and play and sort of make a big thing about it. Uh, I think it would help. uh, But uh, you know, the problem college basketball has is when its season starts, it flies right in the face of that last quarter of college football, which is such uh, is such a popular sport right now. But I thought last year in particular, there were so many good non-conference games that it got people's attention. And I think that's probably more important than anything. As long as we can get people out there, play quality non-conference games across the board, 
I think it's it people it gets people's attention, and, and those are games that are worth watching. You know, my, I, my I'm really curious to see. I think the Big Ten and the ACC are both going to go to 20 game conference schedules. Are and what are they going to do? Are they going to cut back on the number of quality non conference games? I hope they don't, but I, I worry about that. You know, I, I, I clearly think I've told the people in the SEC, no matter what you do, uh, you've got to play games. And I think the same thing holds true for the Big East because I think that those are the games that helps the basketball committee to make a real judgment about who deserves to be in the tournament. Mike, would the Big East have to follow form and somehow get to 20, or, or do you think they can keep scrambling and, and find, you know, quality people to play? No, I would advise I would advise against going to twenty. I think a more so-called ingrained games is not a good thing. You know, the Big East has only got it's, it's got ten teams that are playing an eighteen-game schedule. I've advised the SEC not to go to twenty. I told them to stick to eighteen and play quality non-conference games because I think a a quality win against the non-conference team has more value than a quality win over a team within your own league. I think it's a lot of it has to do with perception. But I think it's real, and 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 you, when you're trying to get in, you're not often competing against a team in your league. You're competing against a team from another league. Uh, you know, Providence, for example, this year is a good example. They beat Washington. Washington's right. Washington, Mike, Mike Hopkins has done a great job there. But they're going to be a bubble team. Providence could be a bubble team. It's close. The committee says, well, Providence beats Washington. That's who we ought to select. I mean, that's that's how I think the committee looks at things. Mike, last one. Uh, I'm curious what you think of this year's Villanova team. Uh, only one loss, 17-1, and one, off to an unbelievable start. Can they go all the way? Well, you know, when you look at Villanova, you say, well, they don't have enough size. That's what they said two years ago, they don't have enough size. You know, not to put the onus on Jay and his team, but I think this team may be more talented than the team two years ago. But that being said, you still got to get lucky. You know, Villanova can struggle against teams that have a lot of size, but teams with a lot of size can struggle against Villanova because of their shooting and quickness. I think Duke is the most talented team, but they're not unbeatable because I, I just don't think they're very good defensively. Although, knowing Mike, their team will get better. I think Villanova on a given night can beat anybody. But, it, you know, Villanova has only one loss right now, Kevin, and who do they lose to? Butler, a team that doesn't have a lot of great size, but a team who just shot the eyes out of the ball. So, I think Villanova's good, and I think they they got a chance to be a one seed again. If you're a one seed, you certainly got a chance to win the tournament. And they've got a lot of experience. Coming up next, a man who has coached and covered the Big East since the league's inception gives us his views on the current Big East teams and the players and how they fit into the national picture. The one and only Bill Raftery, the governor, is next this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. At Butler University, we've been called underdogs. We prefer overachievers. Here you'll be challenged to put your education into practice in the real world and gain the career experience to prepare you for the road ahead. So four years from now, your biggest challenge will be deciding which job offer to take. No matter where you end up, we'll help you get there. Butler Bulldogs aren't born. They're made. Plan your visit at butler.edu. National Perspective. Pass from Bullock! In for the jam on the feed from Cartwright! Cartwright penetrated the defense, didn't help out. Here comes Bullock down the middle, slams it home. 
John Rook with Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East, the one and only, well, let's see, I guess he's called by some the governor. Bill Raftery from Fox Sports 1 joins us this week in the Big East uh, for a look at the the overall look at the conference, but the national perspective as well. And former Seton Hall coach, he's seen a lot of basketball, he's covered a lot of basketball. And Bill, I guess the first thing that we would ask here is, you just came off of doing a game this week with the number one team in the nation in the Villanova Wildcats. We asked a little bit earlier in the program, uh, and we're talking a little about Villanova and whether or not this is actually a real national championship contending team. Can the Wildcats do it based on what you've seen? Last night, I think they could have played with anybody and beaten them. You know, it's amazing. And we don't talk about playing hard, and unselfish, and, you know, all prerequisites to being pretty good. They do those things and more. I mean, their they're, they're breakdown ability, uh, the fundamentals of locking a pivot foot and uh, prying the extra pass. I mean, they're almost to a fault sometimes they'll give the ball up around the rim because their buddy's in a better position on contested uh, uh, three. You know, that's the one thing. They, 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 they just take good shots, too. And the other, the other area that's really overlooked with them is, and we mentioned it last night, the ball is passed properly to the correct hand or to the shooting hands, and, and, and the catcher catches the ball and is ready to shoot the ball. I mean, it sounds like first grade stuff, but that's what they're good at. Uh, they're they're uh, they're they're willing passers, uh, they're willing sacrificers, and, and you put that all together with a perplexing defense is mesmerizing. I mean, people really don't know what to run frequently against this matchup and this automatic switching and you know little on big and big on little and stretching your guys. It's 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 a very tough scout. You know, the assistant who gets the scout is liable to get fired the next morning kind of a deal. <laughs> Especially if the Wildcats make 17 threes like they did against the Hoyas, uh, obviously. Yeah, and, and again, you know, Georgetown isn't the Georgetown we knew and know mm-hmm. uh, in the past, but this this was just, they were ready, and I think the St. John's game, and, and that's why when you play in a league as good as this one, like St. John's hit them right to the end. I think it was six with minute and change they got it down to. <clears throat> and, and I just think they had good practices after that, and this is what we didn't do. This is what we have to do better. And, and it, when you play a team is, is the biggest thing, too. What are they coming off, and where are their heads? And uh, has the coach like really cracked down on some of the fundamental flaws that they might have? So I, I think that's you know part, part of having a win or an upset is when you get a Villanova and what, what mental state your, your kids are in. And, and fans don't, I don't think they understand that. They wonder, well, how come we're not playing well? Or, you know, this is this is a great team, but we should be doing better. And, and you're just getting them at the pinnacle of their play, and that, that makes it very tough for, you know, a team that doesn't have a deeper bench or doesn't have size, doesn't have coverage, those things. Raph, I know you, you know, obviously stay really busy with the Big East from here on in, but I've seen some teams around the country. Who do you like? Give me yours first. I, I, well, I'll give you one. I think Arizona is for real. Arizona. I, I don't real. care what they do all regular season. But they they could be a really tough out in the tournament. And, and can you match that, or you got somebody like that? Well, uh, like uh, West Virginia, it, or well, you know, Duke has as much Oklahoma. young talent as anybody. I, I like Purdue a mm-hmm. lot. Great size. Uh, I imagine an old coach like Bill Raftery would love to have Trey Young in his backcourt. No kidding. Actually, oh Oklahoma's a huge surprise, really, for me. And and I, it, it's hard for me to admit that being a Texas guy. Right. <laughs> well, how about Virginia? 
Yeah, that too. To them. Defense. You yeah, know, big and, time. Uh, I'm fortunate a couple of weeks I'll have that Virginia Duke game. Oh. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those, I'm sure Tony Bennett would like it at a neutral site, but it's it's down down in one of the toughest environments of all time. But the, the, the point basically we're all saying, it's wide open. I, I don't think there's any great team. Uh, I think there's good teams. I saw Michigan State a couple of weeks ago, and I said they got a chance. And then, you know, I return and have them, and they struggle. They didn't play well into a lot of good things that they're known for. So, uh you know, all of a sudden, Purdue might be the team to beat in that league, and they they have all the pieces too. Uh, they they are big, solid. They got shooters. They guard well. Uh, so I, I think we're going to have a heck of a tournament come close. So, Raph, where does, in your estimation, where do the the Big East teams fit amongst the the nation's hierarchy, and how do the players in this league stand out amongst some of the the Trey Youngs of the world that we just talked about? Well, I, I think everybody presents something. You know, it's it's a, you know we we. Uh, sort of deify people we don't see a lot and you hear about. And, and, and this kid deserves it. I mean, he's as exciting to watch. You know, he's fun. It, all, it also reminds me, not, not the way he plays, but Jason Kidd doing cow games. I remember, like, give him the ball. I want to watch him, you know. Right. <laughs> like, uh, he's going to make something. He's going to make it enjoyable, you know, Pele in soccer, or, uh, Messi, you know. Those guys that have unique God-given talents that they've worked to, to enhance. So, I, the, the Big East has got a lot of really good players. You know, every one of the team is every team is really respected. And I know some are struggling a little bit, and it seems to have uh, settled down. Where Georgetown, the Paul, are not doing quite as well, or, or the Johnnies. But above that, nobody wants to play him. I mean, you know, locally there with you guys, uh, he, I, I just think he's terrific uh, at it, making the team better. Two things he does great, I think, and one is judging talent and getting better and uh you know it's it's one of those deals where if you're not ready you know creighton's gonna clock you you know uh she know had a terrible start last night and she it was like 20 to 4 when i looked up in between lemonades by the way <laughs> uh, exactly you know, post-game activities prevail but uh no there's so many tough outs in the league and and and, and really some of the venues are really incredible and some aren't quite you know, the the public arenas are sometimes, I always say Providence is maybe the best public arena in the country because the noise level, the intimacy, and, and this sounds like I'm clamoring for uh, Providence, but it, it, some of the conferences, they have really tough venues, the Big Ten in particular, ACC, and, and I think the public arena, it's so big, it's NBA-ish, it's sometimes tough to capture and intimidate, you know, opponents and the one and only Bill Raftery. Who's got next? The big games, the premier matchups. Well, that's just about every night in this league. So we'll fill you in next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next, this week in the Big East. I'm a college athlete, but you don't know where I was born. If I was raised in the city or suburbs, you don't know the color of my skin, whether I'm big or small, who I love, or if I'm rich, poor, or somewhere in the middle. But the good news is, it doesn't matter. Because as a college athlete, the only thing that does matter is that I have the skill and the drive to succeed in school and sports. Visit ncaa.org slash opportunity to learn more. Who's got next? Bridges goes up, gets the two-handed jam to go, and he's fouled by Owens, and that might have finished off St. John's here. Cats lead 77-69 with just 14 seconds to go, partner. 
John Rook with Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. The week ahead, always great games. Let's start with Saturday's docket. Creighton playing at Providence. It's a chance for the Friars to continue with what currently is a three-game win streak going into the weekend's play. It's also a chance for Creighton to build on an impressive performance this week at home against Seton Hall. The Friars have done some heavy lifting, but they're about to hit really probably the meat of their schedule. Creighton at home is a really vital game for Ed Cooley's team, and then they go on the road at Villanova, at Seton Hall, at Marquette. Ouch. Yeah, no, well, it's going to be ouch for just about everybody, right? Also this weekend, Xavier playing at Seton Hall. Musketeers trying to build a little momentum back after stubbing their toe a couple of times. Seton Hall, they were flat at Creighton, no question. Well, and they have not lost two games in a row all season uh, and certainly don't want us to get started uh, right now, you know, with uh, obviously February right around the corner. How about next week on Tuesday? Providence gets their shot at number one Villanova at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Well, you know, this is the good part about the Big East. You get a chance for a great win. You know, if Providence can go on the road and beat Villanova, God bless them. You know, they're probably in the NCAA (laughs) tournament because not too many people are going to win at Villanova this year. Uh, Providence has had some success uh, in Philadelphia, which really no one has in the last you know five six years. But uh, it's certainly a tall order the way the Wildcats are playing. Yeah, a couple of other games as well of note. Creighton will play at St. John's. Marquette will be at Xavier middle of next week as well. We have a Twitter question this week. Hashtag Twitbe T W I T B E. If you have a question, submit it to us on Twitter using that hashtag Twitbe, and we'll use it on an upcoming show. This one comes from Golden Eagle Warrior. And he says of the newcomers, well, at least I think it's a he, three of the free freshmen, Jamal Kane, Greg Elliott, Theo John, and the transfer Harry Froling at Marquette, which one can separate themselves from the pack and be a consistent contributor down the stretch? Well, you know, we had Coach Wojciechowski earlier in the show, and he said, you know, everyone knows about the three big scorers that they have, but they need help, you know, elsewhere on their roster. And I like Greg Elliott. I, I think he's taking a really nice turn in his freshman year. Defensively, he's a factor already. And, uh, you know, he can take the ball to the hoop. Uh, They don't need any more jump shooters with uh, Rousey, Howard, and Hauser. Mm -hmm. They need those in-between guys, and I think Elliott can be a really important player down the stretch. And I I would actually take Theo John in that particular instance. He's huge. Mm -hmm. He's muscular. He's got an NBA-style body. He's so raw around the basket, but you can clearly see he's got great ability. And for Marquette to continue to be a presence this year, they need to have a post-presence. A little more size. Good point. And, and, you know, you mentioned Froling, too. You know, obviously just joined them. Uh, mid-semester, he's transferred from SMU. He's yeah. only, you know, he's less than ten games into his, uh, you know, time with Marquette. Maybe by the end of February, he's he's ready to go. If you have a question about your team, again on Twitter, just use the hashtag TWITBE for TwitBe. This week in the Big East, we'll use it on an upcoming show. Don't forget, if you're still looking for more Big East Hoop news, tune in each week live with Big East Shootaround, available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and the Fox Sports Go app. Shootaround features coaches and player interviews from around the league every week, so send your question and even your hot takes via social media every week, hashtag BE Shootaround, to be featured on an upcoming show. Our thanks to Marquette, Head Coach Steve Wojciechowski, former Big East Commissioner Mike Trangizi, and Fox's one and only Bill Raftery for joining us. Thanks also go out to the flagship stations at St. John's, Seton Hall, and Marquette for their assistance in providing the sound that brings us and hopefully brings you a bit closer to the big moments in these games. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. And again, if you like what you hear, let us know, won't you? Leave us a review on iTunes or hit us up on Twitter. Retweet us as well. I'm at JR Broadcaster. 
Kevin is at Kevin McNamara 33. We'll be back same time next week. This week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.